0: You want to hear from God and enjoy some community around Jesus. One of the fun things about kids is playing hide-and-seek with them. One thing in particular I remember as a father with my kids, and you'll see this with especially toddlers at some point, playing hide-and-seek with them is an interesting thing because you'll tell them to go hide, You'll count to 10 or whatever number you do. You go look for them and you see them sitting on the couch. But they got something unique about them. What are they doing? Not behind a pillow. They got their eyes closed. You ever play hide and seek with a kid who is there in plain sight with their eyes closed? And they think because they can't see you, then you by default can't see them. And the funniest thing, you're like, ready or not, here I come. You come to them, and you're like, I thought, I thought we were hiding, and you realize they think they can't be seen. And then sometimes you just see them kind of squint open the eye like, did you find me yet, you know? And it's, just, it's the most hysterical thing because you're like, you have no clue, kid. You are in plain sight. And so you said you were ready, but you really were not. And as you can tell, there's something bigger here to this story, you know, when it comes to Christianity, the Bible teaches us we live in a world that is opposed to Jesus. Jesus said, hey, look, if they rejected me, what makes you think you're going to get a different outcome if you're going to follow me? And so what the Bible teaches us is that there are temptations and resistance in our world that come from three sources. The world itself around us, the world opposes Christianity, and then the flesh within us, that goes after temptation, and then the devil, Satan, amidst us. He's around us. And between the world flesh and the devil, ready or not, here it comes, family. Ready or not, you're in a spiritual war. Ready or not, there are things taking place in your life that are challenging your faith. But what gets me distraught is that sometimes I feel like as Christians, we sit on the couch with our eyes closed and thinking because we are not looking at the opposition, it's not really there. But just because we can't see things or refuse to see things doesn't mean it's not there, family. And rather than sitting around with our eyes closed, the Bible tells us to be proactive in our faith, to be ready not the or not part of the hide and seek. Family, I know that, man, all of us facing challenges, face challenges throughout our lives. And one of my burdens as a pastor, and I genuinely love you guys, I want you guys to be ready for what awaits you every step of every day. And the way I do that is to point you to Jesus. You know, the same is true of fatherhood as is true of the Christian life. The greatest point you'll ever make is when you point to the maker you point to Jesus himself and so that's what I want us to do I want us to be the kind of people who realize look man we are faced with opposition around us but rather than closing our eyes we're going to be proactive and do the kinds of things God wants us to do in our faith to be ready to be ready no matter what comes our way you've heard also the illustration of the frog in the kettle haven't you I don't even know if it's true because I was, I was kind of researching, and some people say them, some experiments have shown it's true. Some say it's not. But the principle is true. The frog in the kettle illustration says, if you drop a frog into a boiling water, it will jump right out. Although to me, thing is it might just die instantly, wouldn't it? But in any case, it is said that it jumps right out. But if you put a frog into lukewarm or tepid water and slowly bring it to the boil, supposedly the frog becomes accustomed to its surrounding and before it knows it doesn't realize it's boiling to death and it dies and you know the same again is true you know when we maybe have our spiritual eyes open we see the heat right we see the boiling we see the temptation we see the battle very clearly but if we're uh, surrounded in this world unaware of our surrounding before we know it we we'll are gonna be falling prey to the temptations from the world flesh and devil So what do we do then? How do we prepare ourselves? How do we get ready for whatever comes our way? That's what I want to share with us this morning. And to get ready ultimately comes from the Bible. The book of Joshua says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, and you should be careful to do according to all that is in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And so family, I want us to get in this word this morning. And if you could, would you rise to your feet and meet me in the book of 2 Timothy in your Bibles? You can grab the Bible in the chair in front of you, that blue Bible. Meet me in the book of 2 Timothy, which is towards the end of the Bible. If you don't know the books of the Bible, there's a table of contents in the front of it. And you can check it out there where you are in the New Testament, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Whenever we study the Bible, we need to know what's the preceding context to what we're studying. What takes place beforehand? And before the passage I'm about to read talks about being unashamed an unashamed worker of God who knows how to rightly handle this Bible in our hands to, to uh, wage war in our lives. And then this passage in 2 Timothy 2, verse 20 through 26 comes up. Here's what God's Word tells us. Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Verse 22. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call. On the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him, to do his will. Let's pray together. Father, I I pray, Lord, that you would speak through me, God, as we open the word here today, Lord. That you would help me cut it straight right now, Lord. God, that you might give us all the ears to hear and eyes to see what you want us to hear and see, Lord. God, I pray that you would cause us to be ready, Lord, to be the kind of people who are aware, alert, and engaged in the battles that we find ourselves in. God, I lift up for every man and woman who is here in this room today who does not yet know Jesus Christ, who has yet to put their faith, their entire faith in him. God, I pray that you would draw them to yourself today. And Lord, that today might be the day of salvation for them. And for every one of your children, God, I pray that you would spur them and encourage them in their faith. Be glorified among us, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Man, You may be seated, family. So I want us to get ready in three ways today. I want us to be ready to be used, to be ready to run, and to be ready to represent. To be ready to be used, to be ready to run, and to be ready to represent as we are faced with the battles with the world, the flesh, and the devil. The passage today opens up talking about a house. Talk about how in your house, you have different kinds of vessels or different kinds of tableware. I know you got to fine china, many of you, in your house. I remember thinking to myself, what's the point of fine china if we use it once a year? But it's for special company. And you also have maybe the regular eating utensils. But among those things, you also have different bowls and dishes that are used for less honorable kind of things. Like, let's say you're about to mop the floor. You've got a mop bucket. None of you, after cooking pasta and serving on the table, put it in the mop bucket. Because the mop bucket has its own purpose and use, and it's different from the bowl that you use for your fixings. Isn't it true? And so what Paul says here is he says, Now in a great house, verse 20, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, those are those honorable ones, but there's also ones of wood and clay, some for honorable use some for dishonorable. He's saying there are different things and different purposes. But with this illustration then, he says in verse 21, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use. You see, as we talked about last week, uh, we find out that even within the church in the first century, and it's true in our own day, there are false teachers, there are false teachers. Um, teachings that come forward that can lead us astray from following Jesus. And what Paul is telling Timothy, the young protege that he's writing to here, as Paul is sitting in prison awaiting his execution, he's trying to get his young son in the faith, his spiritual son, ready for life in the midst of the battle. He's like, Timothy, I don't want you sitting on the couch with your eyes closed. Keep your eyes open. But in order to be ready, you've got to be the kind of vessel that is there to be used for honorable purposes. He said there are people who lead others astray and they are dishonorable. They are the mop bucket. They are the kind of people that God does not want to use for his purposes because they have pushed God away by their teachings. And he says, Timothy, in verse 21, cleanse yourself. From these kind of things. Now I want us to understand something here. This idea of cleansing ourselves is going with the illustration of a of a dirty bowl. You got to wash it to use it for again for the proper use. But I, I want us to hear what that looks like in our day to day life, because I want to make some things really clear about the Christian faith. Um, this, this is the this is the, the meat and potatoes of Christian faith right here for you. I remember when our daughter was young, we would save, we would serve her chicken nuggets with ketchup. And I told you guys this story before, but I remember one time that she yelled out from the kitchen, I'm done. I want some more. I went back in, all the nuggets were there. But what was missing? It was the ketchup. And I had to tell her, look, no, the ketchup is for dipping the nuggets. All right? The nuggets are the meat. That's where the protein is. You need to eat that. And so right now, what I'm about to share with you guys is, is the protein of the Christian faith. All right, you guys with me here? All right, this is the meat. So when the Bible calls us to cleanse ourselves, God does never tell us to cleanse ourselves from our own sins in the New Testament. Let me let let you understand something. There is nothing you can do to cleanse yourself in God's sight. The Bible teaches us that your heart and my heart has been stained with sin from our birth. Good people don't go to heaven by their good deeds, fam. This is a biblical truth. We had it read for us earlier from Ephesians 2 when Pastor Jeremy was reading. It is not by works. And so when Paul says cleanse yourself, he's not saying make yourself forgiven before God. Make yourself holy before God. We can't do that. And so here's the difference. There is a sense that we are in our position before God holy. And this sounds really crazy because you're like, man, if you know what I said yesterday, you would not be saying what you said. No, I know what you said yesterday. I probably wasn't good. I know what you guys thought because of the things I think, right? There is sin in my life as there is sin in your life. But the Bible teaches us that there is a way that God has made for us to be in our position wholly before God, not in and of ourselves, but something that comes from outside of ourselves. I don't know if you're tracking with me here, family. You see, this is the beauty of Christianity that the false teachers in Paul's day were missing and many people in our day are missing who are out there yelling, telling you to do good and be better. There's something called moralistic, therapeutic deism. That's a mouthful. Moralistic saying, hey, be better. Therapeutic, so you can feel better. Deism and throw some sprinkled God in there somewhere. That doesn't get you to heaven. See, the Bible says that your sin that's in your heart and mine and my heart needed someone to pay a punishment that we deserve. There is a penalty for breaking the law. And God's got a law and there's a penalty for breaking his law. And that penalty is death. So therefore, in order for you and I to be cleansed, someone's got to die. Someone's got to die. And that someone ought to be me for my sins and you for your sins. This is the beauty of Christianity. Because what God says, he looks out from heaven onto the earth and he knows our predicament. He knows there is nothing you can do to clean your own heart. So what did he do? He came down for you, fam. He came to this life to live a perfect life. Jesus had to be perfect. His heart was not stained with sin. In order that when he goes on the cross and he takes the punishment of death that you deserve, there is a horrible and glorious transaction that takes place. Your sin, I don't know if you hear me. There's one person who hears me here. Your sin is exchanged onto Jesus so that in Jesus you died. But listen here, it gets better because there's an exchange that takes place. Jesus then on the cross says, when you put your faith in me, not only do I take your sin upon my shoulders, but I take my righteousness and put it on your shoulders, That's good news. So when God sees you, he doesn't see the sin in your heart. He knows it's there, but he sees the righteousness of his son, Jesus. So positionally, you have been cleansed. Positionally, you are right before God. If and only if you put your faith in Jesus. When you say, God, there's nothing I can do. Forgive me for my sins. Jesus, I believe you died for me. You took my punishment and in exchange. you gave me your righteousness. God, I believe that. I believe you conquered death so that I don't have to die one day ultimately. God says, as, as, as Jeremy pointed out on stage, you, you become adopted as daughters and sons of the living God, and you get an inheritance. And that inheritance is in heaven. That's what God has done for you. That's your position. And I love talking about the gospel. That's some good news. Paul has made this message clear already to Timothy. He did this in chapter 1 when he says that God abolished death through Jesus. Remember I said he put it out of style? when we put our faith in Jesus. So what does Paul mean then in verse 21 when he says, Cleanse yourself. Cleanse yourself from what's dishonorable. So just as we, by our position and through faith in Jesus, are holy in God's sight, God's like, but you still got to live for me, yo. You still got to walk in holiness, which means then that actively we got to choose to obey Jesus with our lives by cleansing ourselves, by cutting out the things in our life that push us away from God, that dishonor God. And so he's saying, Timothy, in order to be a useful vessel in my hands, you've got to walk with me. You've got to put, your, put aside the sin, put aside the mess, put aside these false teachers. Like, don't listen with them, don't ride with them, because their teaching will lead to destruction. On the other hand, look at the rest of verse 20. Set apart, be set apart as holy, which then makes you useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So how are you to be ready to live in this life, in this world that's broken with the world, the flesh, and the devil? Well, what we do is know who we are before God because of Jesus. And then we ready ourselves by choosing to walk with him, setting ourselves apart. And then it says we can become useful in God's hands. Now listen, God knows how to use the mess in our lives. He has done it time and time again. God is able to do that. But God wants to use you through your love for him and your choosing to walk with him. Look, God's going to get his will accomplished one way or another, family. But man, what joy it is when it's through me and you because of our obedience to him. There's no greater joy. So what Paul's saying here, be ready to be set apart for God so you can be useful to God and be ready with God no matter what. It's a declaration. It's saying, God, I'm all yours. I'm ready. Use me. I'm cutting off the stuff in my life. When I fail, I'm acknowledging it. I'm turning. I'm repenting of my sin. I am saying, God, I don't want that anymore, but I'm coming back to you. Use me, God. And God has a way of cutting out in our own life as well, of purging us of things that we depend on to make us more useful in his hands. There's a story in the Old Testament of a great warrior named Gideon, I shouldn't say great warrior. He was actually a timid warrior who became great in God's hands. He went to war with tens of thousands of soldiers, and as he's getting ready to go on the front line, God's like, "Ah, you got too many people with you. That's not usually a a military problem. What God says, say, every man who doesn't want to fight, send him home. That's usually not the thing you tell a bunch of warriors before they're about to meet their death. Sir, I don't want to die today. Half the army leaves. And through another series of events, God trims down Gideon's army to 300 people. And God's like, perfect, useful. I've purged it enough. I've set apart these people, and through them, I'm going to accomplish my purpose. So sometimes God's got to purge you of stuff in your life to make you useful in his hands. But what does he say here? Be ready for every good work. Be expectant. God's going to use you, fam. And what great joy there is in being used by him. So in the midst of all this, don't sit on the couch with your eyes closed, but be ready to be used. Secondly, as you're being ready to be used, as you're resisting this world, be ready to run, family. Look at verse 22. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the name Call on the Lord from a pure heart. He says, be ready to flee useful, I mean youthful passions. Flee youthful passions. Run away from these things. You see, I find it interesting that he's talking, he's addressing this matter of false teachers in the church. And I mentioned this last week, but this is, it bears repeating probably every Sunday. Because what's happening is when your thoughts are, are given away from God, it begins to affect the way you live, the way you talk. This is why I find it so sinister of the enemy of God, that many of the ideas that are affecting our society begin in our colleges and universities. You ever notice that? Because what's happening is, our young people are being trained in these classrooms, and these thought processes that remove God from the equation are going to begin to take root in their minds if they're not fortified and it's going to then affect the way they live. What we have now is a world that is broken, a state of Illinois that is broken and a city of Chicago that is broken that doesn't value life, life in the womb, that doesn't value God's standards and his callings. Family, these are the products of misunderstanding God's word. And so... We're called here then to flee these things because crooked thought produces crooked talk which produces crooked walk, fam. And so Paul is saying here to get the walk straightened out, set your eyes on Christ, but then run away from sin. Flee. Flee. Now if you're a grown-up on the block, when you're ready to get into a fight, one of the most punk things you're taught to do is to run. People are like, don't run. That's, that's punking out. Stand up and stand up and fight. But the dumb people do that because they get beat up. <laughs> see, see so God's like, look, I want what's best for you. Run away from the temptations. Don't show how strong you are. Show your strength by running away. God's like, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. If you're too weak, run and watch me be strong in you. Flee youthful passions. Now, this idea of youthful passions, this word passion could be used to, could, could be referring to lust or just different youthful passions that youth have. And I was thinking this through, and you know this to be true, that you could probably remember the times in your life when youthful passions were beginning to grow in you. And a lot of them are pretty godless. I know that was my story. As a youth, you become very know-it-all, all right? And I apologize to you, youth. Just know that this is true. One day you'll agree. <laughs> so listen, listen. Honestly, to our youth, humility is key here. And, and there's a beautiful thing about the wisdom and knowledge God gives you as a young person. But, but you must stay humble. Because if you're not, this is what produces. There are oftentimes know-it-all mindsets, a lot of nearsightedness that makes decisions without considering the consequences. A Living for the pride of life and reputation, engaging in different sensuality and sexual promiscuity, and a lot of self-promotion. And some of your adults are like, that doesn't just sound like youthful passions. That's some grown-up stuff too. But what I think Paul is saying is those things began to blossom in your youth. And what it is is if you're adults living in this kind of way, well, basically Paul's saying you've got to mature in Christ how do you do that? Flee. Run from these things. Run away from these things. Don't show how tough you are by trying to stand up to temptation. Show how strong God is and flee from them. Whenever I read this passage, and there's a similar passage in 1 Timothy, I I, right away, and maybe you've already done this, I think about the story of Joseph in the Old Testament, in Genesis chapter 39, where he is a servant in the household of Potiphar, the second most powerful man in all of Egypt. And as the second most powerful man in in Egypt, he's got a lot of rank, he's got a lot of authority, and I'm sure he's got a wife that he's going to be parading around town. And as Joseph works in Potiphar's household, Potiphar's wife takes a liking to this God-fearing young man named Joseph. And what she begins to do is throw herself at him, quite literally, saying, lie with me. And this young man, Joseph, is there as a servant in the household feeling quite stuck. Here's this probably very attractive woman who's being very seductive, throwing herself at him. What is Joseph to do? Well, in Genesis 39, it says in verse 11, one day when Joseph went into the house to do his work, And many of you feel this way. I'm I'm just going to work. And none of the men of the house was there in the house. That sounds like a setup. She caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But what did he do, family? Did he say, you know what, let's talk about this. You know what, let let me just stay here for about three minutes. Let's let's have a conversation. No, it says he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. See, Joseph's like, I'm not playing with this, no matter what. Proverbs 6.27 says, can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes and not be burned? The answer is no. And then he goes on, or can someone walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? Give it a try. Tell me the answer. The answer is no. You're going to get burned. And so when the Bible here says, and Paul tells Timothy, who is in the midst of a world that's very tempting and his flesh which is given towards temptation like your and my flesh is, Paul's like, look, don't just close your eyes pretending it's not there. Run away. But when we run from something, we got to run to something else. I love coaching baseball, family. It's been so much fun to me. I love coaching my sons. I just love the, the game of baseball. I feel like a kid again, honestly. And maybe I look like a kid out there too, but... One thing is, in our league this year, you're able to steal bases in our league, which makes it a lot of fun. It's a new element, new strategy involved. And what we've taught our kids is, when I tell you to steal, you need to look at that next base. You need to look at second base, for example. And you got to run there with all your might. And when you get there, you better slide to avoid whatever tag is going to come. Nothing drives a coach more crazy. Coaches, you with me on this? than when you're, your runner is running to second looking at the ball. Because what happens is when you're looking around, it breaks your stride. And then it drives me more crazy when they don't slide in the second base because then they're more susceptible to being tagged, to getting caught. You see, when Paul's telling Timothy here, flee youthful lust, he's like telling all of us, look. You gotta run away from sin, but you gotta set your eyes somewhere else. What does he tell him to set it on? He says, pursue righteousness and faith and love like every child of God who calls upon the name of the Lord. He's like, look, when you're running, don't look around, don't re entertain the temptation. Set your eyes on the goal. And when you get there, you better slide. Because you know what, even there, you're trying to get caught by sin. The devil is lurking. And Paul's like, Timothy, be ready, be alert. Keep your eye on the goal. Be ready to run. So as we walk through this life, be ready to be used. Be ready to run. And then lastly, he tells you to be ready to represent. So it's one thing to run away from temptation. It's another thing to keep at distance, these false teachings. But we can't then go run run into a rabbit hole and hide until the day we die. That's what monasteries were originally built for in the Middle Ages. There was a flawed understanding that in order to walk with Jesus, we've got to separate and isolate ourselves from the world. So much so that if I live in a monastery in the middle of nowhere, then I could be safe from temptation. But then you become useless in God's hands. And so God never tells us, hey, hide away and stay there for 50 years. No, you live in a world that's broken. Yes, you are to flee from temptation. Yes, you are to set yourself apart from different false teachings. But yes, you're also supposed to engage the world. If God removes the light, how big will the darkness be? So what does he say here in verse 23? Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. Don't, Don't get involved with all this mess. You know, in the Middle Ages, there was a discussion in the realm of philosophy of how many angels can dance on the head of a needle. And they would sit around and have discussions about the philosophical ideas of doing that. And that term began to be used for those who basically have their heads in the clouds. are talking about things that ultimately don't matter when the things that do matter are being unaddressed. And what Paul is saying here is, look, fam, there's a lot of things in our world that are not as important as the most important thing. And the most important thing here is what we do with our lives. He says in verse 24, be kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting your opponents, so what he's saying is, yes, we're leaving a world. Yes, we're to resist temptation. Yes, we're supposed to run. But yes, we're also supposed to engage and combat and contend for the truth. See, as followers of Jesus, we have a responsibility to be his representatives. The Bible says we are his ambassadors who come from a different country, if you will. We are citizens of heaven, but we live on earth as ambassadors. And as an ambassador, you represent your home. And as ambassadors, then, we represent Jesus, and we are there to tell people about him. But we do so with kindness. We do so teaching the truth, enduring with evil. Like, man, the world is evil, but we got to be patient in this world that's broken. And then correcting our opponents. We got to be ready to defend the truth be ready to contend for the truth. And the reason for that is that God may use you and I to lead people to Jesus, even those who are most hostile to Christianity, those in this world that are pushing God away. Look what he says in verse 25. Do so with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them, that's those who oppose Christianity or who are false teachers trying to acclaim Christianity, God may perhaps grant them Repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. You see, the world and the flesh are constantly trying to call us to stray away from God, but the devil is also at work keeping people from God. And God may use you and I to bring the truth to bear on someone's life about the positional holiness before God because of Jesus and the progressive holiness we're called to walk in. God, God may use you to teach people the truth of the gospel. Make, they may come to know Jesus. The same people who are once ensnared by the devil. Look, I know that even in this room today, there might be some of you who are in this place. Maybe right now you've been an instrument in the hand of Satan and not the hand of God. Maybe you've never quite fully entrusted yourself to Jesus. You've never surrendered your life to him. And in many ways, I'm here just saying, telling you, come to Jesus. Come to him. Ask him for forgiveness. Watch the new life he gives you when you turn to him. Watch the the abundant life. Watch the joy. Yes, there's trial and struggle that follows, but it is a beautiful thing to walk with Jesus as opposed to being in the snare of the devil. How can Paul say this with such conviction? Well, you might remember that's his story. He was the opponent once of Christianity. He was the one who hated Jesus, and he's the one that Jesus stopped in his tracks. And I pray that for some of us today, maybe God's doing that to you, stopping you in your tracks, saying, hey, look, enough is enough. Stop resisting me. Come to me. And that's you today, man. As I close this service, we're gonna have a prayer team coming to the right and left of me on this stage. They would love to pray with you. Maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus. Do so today, Watch the forgiveness he gives you. Watch him adopt you in his family as his daughter, as his son, and enjoy the new life. Others, man, maybe he's stopping you in your tracks because you have not been ready to be used by God. You've been sitting on the couch with your eyes closed, hoping that all that around you is just go away. And God's like, it's not going away. i got to come back one day and take you home, but until I come, it's not going away. Be ready to be used. Be ready to run if you need to. And be ready to represent my name in this world. Family, ready or not, the battle is here. By God's grace, let's be ready. I'm going to close in prayer and then invite our worship team and prayer counselors to come forward. Fam, don't let an opportunity to respond to God pass you by. We'd love to pray with you. As we close up here, let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for Jesus who took my punishment, took our punishment through faith. And Lord, I thank you that when you tell us to cleanse ourselves, it's not to cleanse us from sin, because Jesus has done that. But thank you for also calling us to cleanse ourselves from the temptations, from the, the, the sinful influences, Lord, to walk with you, Lord. God, I pray that every daughter and son of God in this room would walk with you, Lord, that they would be set apart, useful, ready to do every good work you would call them to do, Lord. And I pray for everyone here who find themselves in the grip of the enemy, that they would come to you, Lord, and find the freedom that comes through faith in Jesus. Father, we love you. Thank you for being a good, good father to us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. (coughs) Would you rise to your feet, family? And prayer team, would you please come forward as we close our final song here? As I mentioned, man, please don't let an opportunity pass you by as God is moving in your heart. If you're feeling to be led to be prayed for, please come to one of our prayer team members. I know they're eager to pray for you. Maybe you just want to be alone, but you want to solidify what God is doing in your heart by coming forward, kneeling down at the stairs here. You're welcome to do that as well. Family, let's sing, knowing that though we are prone to wander, that we serve a God who knows how to bind our wandering heart back to Him. Amen.
1: Come, thou fountain, every blessing to my heart to sing Thy grace. Dreams of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet, sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mountain fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. safely too.
0: your Holy Spirit that has sealed our hearts, Lord, and that the inheritance as sons and daughters that has been promised to us has been guaranteed by your Spirit's sealing, by the finished work of Jesus. God, we love you and we praise you, God, for doing this on our behalf when we could do nothing to step toward you. Father, we pray that you would give us grace throughout this day. God, in our failures, may we be reminded of your forgiveness through our successes, may we give you all the credit. God, may we work and labor hard so that you would use us to get maximum glory through us. We love you, Lord. And we praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we dismiss you, fam, I just want to kind of give a couple of reminders and a prayer request. So reminders, we're going to be playing softball in about 45 minutes or so. one one you can join us out at Bell Park. Um, we'd love to have you there. We always love people cheering. For some reason, guys play better when people are watching. So, um, yeah. But we do ask that you pre- please bring the Bengay and Advil, because sometimes what's in our mind doesn't match what's in our body, right? So um, we don't want any, any torn ligaments or anything. Y'all got to work tomorrow, man. All right? Uh, so we'd love for y'all to join us for that and just have some fun there. Um, and also, uh, men, may be, be sure... Uh, every father and spiritual father, grab a gift on your way out. We just want to thank you. You deserve a high five. We mean that from the bottom of our heart. Uh, lastly, I want to ask for your prayer. This week, I have a speaking opportunity on Wednesday. Uh, we're part of a denomination, a movement called the Evangelical Free Church of America. And every other year, they have their national conference in different cities, uh, in a different city. The last time, two years ago, was in Texas, and I think it was in, uh, in Austin. Uh, this year, it's in Naperville. And so they've asked me to be one of the speakers uh, on Wednesday morning, which is pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love your prayers. There's going to be about, about 1,500 pastors from around the country who are going to be flying in and ministry leaders to be refreshed and re-nourished in their, their ministry as leaders. Let's pray that God would give me a word for them that really would bless pastors who I know love their flock and try to do the very things that I try to do here and Pastor Jeremy tries to do here every Sunday by preaching and teaching and loving people. And we know this, this is a, a beautiful calling. We love it. We know it's hard, and I know many of them are coming discouraged, tired, so pray that God would use me to re- encourage them. Thankful Erica is going to be joining me, as well as Pastor Jeremy and our brother, our Elder Bruce, is going to be there with us. So, um, so i please invite you to pray for me on Wednesday as I bring God's word. I'll keep you guys posted on how that goes, all right? I want to give you guys a blessing from Isaiah 41.10, which says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Your family. What God promises, he always delivers. You may be dismissed. We'll see you guys downstairs for refreshments.